this morning I want to rehearse uh, with you all just a very well very very well known is it echoing I'll turn this is it this maybe does that sound better
and we meet a ridge runner. A ridge runner is a person who volunteers as a park ranger to go through the Smoky Mountains and make sure people have their permits, make sure people are camping where they're supposed to be parking, camping, and uh, putting fires where they're supposed to be having fires and no place else. A ridge runner. And so we're down here, and this mountain we're looking at is called Rocky Top. And uh, it looks like it's 10,000 miles away. And uh, we said, are we going to this mountain? He said, no, you're going to that mountain. And we were looking at the wrong ridge line, okay? And it's just, oh, it's depressing. And it's hard, it's hard. But we'll talk about those things today. But we made it. In the beginning, okay, in the beginning, as we begin to, there's different parts of uh, beginnings. There's anxiousness. Again, again, any of you all ever gone on vacation or took a trip or going to see a grandchild or something like that, you're very anxious, okay? Very, very anxious. Couldn't wait to get started. Can't wait for the days to get here. Are you ever anxious sometimes for summer to begin, school to be out? I know a lot of teachers and kids that are sure anxious about it. As well, they should be. Have you ever felt this sense of excitement? Just so excited. That's where our Christian journey begins too. We become Christians and we're anxious and we're excited and we're exhilarated. We're exhilarated. I can be a Christian. I can make my way to heaven. This is a wonderful thing. Beginnings are easy. Beginnings are easy. They're very, very exciting, exhilarating, and there's, there's all sorts of abundant hope. And you can't see anything bad. People do this when they get married, okay? When Deb and I got married, and we walked out of that church building after the preacher said we're man and wife, well, we were just beginning. We had no idea what the years would unfold and what they would entail, but we sure was excited, weren't we, Deborah? And we've, hopefully we've stayed excited. But that's the way life is. We begin, and beginning is really not hard. And then we talk about this as a, in a Christian aspect from Acts chapter 2. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. They were excited. They gladly received the word. They gladly. I don't think I've ever seen anybody baptized, if I have, I didn't know it, that was not extremely happy to be baptized. Most times, a lot of times people come up out of the water and they're crying and they're excited and everybody hugs them and they hug, they hug anybody inside. They're so happy. I am a Christian. I have begun my journey to heaven. What a wonderful thought. It is the most wonderful thing in the world. And, and I'm, I don't think I've ever seen anybody baptized that I didn't cry. And sometimes I didn't even really know the people. But I saw the people and I saw their expressions and I saw their hearts. And I saw how their hearts had been touched by the Word of God. And it made me cry. And I was so happy for them. Because I want nothing more than those people to go to heaven. We've begun. Now we're all going to see what we got to need a good start. And starting is not bad. It's not bad usually. Uh, you've, you've got to have preparation. This is what I plan to do. This is what I plan to do as a Christian. I, I, I want to make sure I've got all the preparation. Whether it's going on vacation, whether it's becoming a Christian, whatever it is, you've got to have a good start. And preparation is key to that. You've got to be willing to go, okay? We talked about it just a second ago. Never seen anybody baptized that wasn't willing, okay? I, if, if somebody asked me to go to some place that I don't want to go, I'm not going to enjoy myself. Even if I do go, if I'm not willing to go. If you, if you become a Christian, well, I'm, I'm becoming a Christian. Now I really don't want to. 
but my husband wants me to, my wife wants me to, my kids want me to, my grandchild wants me to, somebody wants me to, but I don't know if I'm really into this or not. Not really willing to do that. It's, it's not going to end well. It is not going to end well. And then there's always a, initial success. You get started and you think, I'm think, well, this is, this is all right. This is all right. On my way to heaven, I've got started. The people are friendly to me. Uh, I'm enjoying coming to church services. And uh, I, I'm putting this first and foremost in my life. I'm off to a good start. So we uh, began and now we're to a good start. And so this is what happened with the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47. And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having the faith of all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. The church started with the bang, with 3,000 people baptized on the first day, first uh, Pentecost after the resurrection of Christ when Peter preached to them. And now they're off to a good start. They continue daily with one accord in the temple and house to house, talking with people, sharing each, with each other's lives, enjoying themselves. And the Lord added to the church, not weekly, not monthly, not bi-monthly, daily, such as we're being said. The church is off to a rip-roaring start. And that's the way we as Christians oftentimes are. We begin well, and our start is fantastic. But then what always happens? It always happens. It never ceases to amaze me how quickly this can happen. Difficulties arise, don't they? They always arise. Problems. Well, I forgot to do this. Well, I went to church this morning and so-and-so didn't speak to me. And they didn't ask me to pray. They've been asking me to pray, but I've been three weeks now. They've not asked me to pray. They must be mad. Problems. Sometimes they can be so trivial. They can be so trivial. Well, Brother Johnson didn't speak to me. And I, I just take offense to that. I'm not going to go back to church because he don't speak to me. Concerns. We have concerns about things. I have concerns about my health. I have concerns about my job. I have concerns about my finances. I've got a lot of concerns. And these are weighing me down. And it's making my start not be as good as I'd like to be. Sometimes I backpack and you got a strap up here. You've got a 35-pound pack and it's just rubbing you. And it's rubbing you and it's rubbing. And your shoes are not doing exactly right. And you know I'm getting a blister. You know I'm getting a bad place on my foot. You know I'm getting a blister on my shoulder. And those are concerns and those are problems. Those are difficulties. And they will inhibit your ability to do what you need to do. And then you start doubting yourself. Why did I do this? Was this a good idea? Self-doubt is the biggest killer of all. That's why people quit so many times. I don't think I can do this. This Christian life. I became a Christian and I was so happy. I got off to a really good start. But I've got a wife and kids and family and job obligations and financial obligations. And I just don't know if I can hang with it. I just don't know if I can stay in there and do what I need to do. I've got these problems and now I've got this stuff down. We cast all our cares upon the Lord is what we should do. But sometimes we don't do that. We think, I'm just going to soldier on and do the best I can. And a lot of times the weight is unbearable. And it pulls us down. Difficulties, folks, arise. And they're always going to arise. And they have always arisen. Now, Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. Now, you know the story of Saul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. They were extremely close. And they went on missionary journeys together. And so this next missionary journey, Barnabas was determined to take his nephew, John Mark. And you know Mark from the book of the Bible. 
But Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them at Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the freshmen, rather to the grace of God. Acts 15, 37-34. The contention became so sharp that they would, you just take Mark then. If you're insisting upon taking Mark, you take him and I'll take Silas. That's what it came to. That's pretty contentious, okay? Now these guys have worked together for the cause of the Lord. But John Mark had, had returned from one of the journeys for some reason. The Bible does not say. Maybe he got afraid. And as well he stood it because he's a good chance you'd get killed. Maybe he was homesick. There could have been a thousand reasons that he turned back. But he did turn back. And Paul says, I'm going to take it. Don't want to take it. The contentions became, this is a difficult, this is an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul. And if difficulties arose in Paul's life concerning Christianity, what do you think they're going to do in yours? You think they're going to arise? Absolutely. How can they not arise? Start out, we begin, have a good start, and now difficulties show up. And so when difficulties show up, well, there's an option. You can turn back. Jesus says no one who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you start on the Christian journey and you look back longingly at this world you've left behind, Jesus says you're not fit for the kingdom. That's not my words. It's Jesus. You're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But God and Jesus will give you that option. You can turn back if you want to. Nobody's going to beat you. If you decide to not come to church anymore, Kevin and I will do our best to talk with you. Other members of the church will do our best to talk with you, encourage you in any way we can. But we're not going to beat you up and we're not going to tie you up and come and get you and drag you to church when you kick and scream. You have the option to turn it back with you, Kevin. And sadly, sometimes people do. They lose focus. They lose focus. And it's easy to lose focus when things are hard. When things are hard, it's easy to lose focus. What are you thinking about? You should be, your eyes should be set upon heaven and all the glories that wait you when this life is over. But I can't, all I can see is troubles and worries and aggravations and afflictions and death and sin and sickness. And people lose focus. <coughs> difficult terrain. Difficult terrain. I talked about a while ago. Sitting down here in the valley looking up at the big mountain. You don't get up that mountain easy. It's hard. It is extremely, extremely hard. Takes a lot of effort. And that's what it does in the church too. Difficult terrain. I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, six days a week for 30 years. And that alarm went off at 2 o'clock. That's a sad, sad thing to hear, folks. When you went to bed at 11 that night, and you got up three hours later and that alarm goes off, that's sad. And 30 years later, well, I've been there a long time. I got seniority. Well, you still work Saturday. Still work Saturday? Still work Saturday. Come on in every Saturday. Now that's just me. Now you all have got things much, much worse than that. But that's some things that's difficult. And I go to work and my boss, he, he hates me maybe. And my co-workers don't care for me. There's difficult terrain, folks. There's people at church when I go, they won't speak to me. I, I, I don't see that here, folks. I don't think that. But there's places that people will not, not, uh, will not speak to one another. In the church... They will not speak to one another. That's sad. That's a difficult terrain, okay? And those things are hard, and you have to deal with that. And so it makes turning back seem like maybe an option. 
And then there's a feeling of hopelessness sometimes. I've been deserved. I've been left out. I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. But my situation is just so hopeless. My family is scattered and tattered and ruined. And I've not been the person I need to be. And I've acted unseemly on occasion after occasion. And it's just a bad, hopeless situation. And we see this with people in our lives. People that give up hope. They turn back because they are unwilling to deal with the problems that come along. In John 6, 66 and 66, the saddest verse is just about it. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, in the old King James, will you also go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are on this earth at the time of Jesus. And you are following Jesus. And you see the miracles this man has done. You see the kindness that he has shown. You see the people that he has fed. And when he says something that's hard and difficult to understand, the people think, I'm turning back. And, walk, and Jesus looks at him. And I can just see the hurt in his heart. And the hurt in his eyes. And he looks at his apostles and says, will you also go away? That hurts, folks. That hurts. When people you're counting on, that you're depending on, that you think, I've been good to these people. I've treated them nice. I've treated them well. And they're turning back. It hurts. It hurts in your life. It hurts in my life. When people that you've been good to maybe don't appreciate and maybe turn back. It hurts. But that's an option. That's one of the options on the journey to heaven. And then another option is just, I quit. I just quit. I quit. Maybe you get mad. Well, they did something out of church that didn't suit me. It was scriptural, all right, but it didn't suit me, and it's not the way I want it. And I'm quitting. I'm never going back. Never going back. What did they do? Well, it really wasn't. It wasn't what I want. When it gets right there, well, what did you want? I wanted this. I wanted this. I like this better. They changed it to this. Now, did they do anything unscriptural? No. I'm, I'm just quitting. I'm just quitting. Because I'm mad. Has anybody ever done anything stupid because they were mad? I have. Plenty of times. <coughs> Sometimes we quit because we're exhausted. We're exhausted. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted with life. I'm exhausted with my co-workers, my people I go to church with. I'm exhausted with Christianity. There's so many different variables out there. So many different beliefs. So many different bad news and things. That's can happen. And they quit because of exhaustion. And sometimes people quit because of dread. Well, I got a bad diagnosis at the doctor. And it wasn't what I wanted to hear. And it don't look good for me. People get those diagnoses all the time. But it's always somebody else. Usually it's somebody else. Most likely one of those diagnoses will come from one of us one of these days. If we live long enough. One of those diagnoses. And so the sense of dread, let's just pack it in, throw in the towel, quit. Let's just quit. Because why? I can't handle this. Well, when people have troubles coming to their life, I've always, I've never understood it. They should run to God. But many times, they run from God. What did you do this, God? Why did you allow this bad thing to happen? 
What is, I've been trying to be a good person. And now something bad has happened. My 85-year-old mother died. Well, Shelby Roy, don't you have enough sense to know that 85-year-old people die all the time? It's appointed unto man who wants to die. Hebrews 9, 27, we talked about this morning. Do you not understand that? You've been in church your whole life? Dread of the future. Dread of what the situation in the future might hold. Makes many people quit. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for demons have forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed the Thessalonica. Paul says, come, Timothy, come to me quickly. Demas has forsaken me. He was one of Paul's co-workers, helping preach and teach the gospel. He left, why did he leave you, Paul? Having loved this present world. Sometimes people quit, even in the days of Paul the Apostle, even in the days when Jesus was walking there, people turn around, they turn back, and sometimes even go so far as to quit. And then, some. This is getting to the top. Now this is where we need to keep our focus every single minute of every single day. I am on my way to heaven. Where are you going? I might be going to Foster Lane after a while, but that's really not where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Where are you going? I'll go to bed later on tonight, but that's not really where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I plan on driving the truck on Tuesday, but really, I'm not going to Arizona. I'm going to heaven. Okay? Should we all think that? I plan to go back to school in the fall. I plan to go to work Tuesday morning or whatever the day, next day, time it is. But really, my plans are to go to heaven. I want to summon. The goal is inside. There's Rocky Top. There's Rocky Top. Well, I'm not there. But you know, after a while and after a lot of sweat and after a lot of whining and complaining and staggering and shuffling, I got on top of that mountain and I sat there and I sat there a long time. I sat there a long time because I thought, this feels pretty nice. This is why people climb up here because it looks good. And it's really worth the effort. It's really worth the effort. Keeping the faith. I'm going to keep the faith. It's difficult sometimes. It's difficult, extremely difficult sometimes. But I'm going to keep the faith. Because I know there's a crown of life. And receiving the reward. The summit, folks, can be attained. It can be attained. And we're going to talk about a few verses. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. What are you talking about, Paul? I'm just about ready to be executed for my preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Just about ready to be executed. That's hard. It's hard. Can you imagine? Kevin, November 30th is the day of your execution. What if you heard that? Man, that's hard. I can't comprehend that. Now, we don't know when Paul was executed or you know, but we're pretty confident he was. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all those that loved his appearing. Who can go to heaven? All those who love his appearing. When Jesus comes in the clouds in the air, I want to be in the number that says, Hallelujah. There goes Jesus. Because I can go to heaven, you can go to heaven, 
my loved ones can go to heaven. Those little 19 children that were killed in Texas roll into heaven. You're going to roll into heaven. Son, but as written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those. Who, you can't even picture in your mind how great heaven is. I don't care if you think about it, night and day and day and night, you can't picture how perfect heaven will be. No sickness, no sorrow, no death, no crying. You, eyes not seen it or ears heard about it. It can't be described how fabulous heaven is. You think of heaven however you want to. And you picture it however you want to. And it, it does not matter. But when you get there, you're going to say, wow, it's a 10 billion times better than I thought it was. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Well, that's good verses right there. Was it worth the journey to climb up on this big, tall mountain? This big, tall mountain called life, this Christian journey, was it worth the trouble? Absolutely. Absolutely. For the Lord himself was sent from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If you die in the Lord, so shall you ever be with the Lord. The dead in Christ will rise first. Paul makes it abundantly clear through the Holy Spirit. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in there, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Grandma died, but she died in the Lord. She's good. She'll go to heaven. She'll be on her way before I get there. She'll be heading up, and I'll have to catch up with you. Mama died in the Lord. That's good. That's great. Well, how long will she be with the Lord? Forever. Well, that's good. What about mama? Is there pain there anymore? No. There's no more pain. Is she sad or lonely or crying or blue? No. None of those things. She's forever with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words, folks. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now. Yes, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Revelation 14, 13. Your works will follow you. And Jesus says, Revelation 2.10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown. Folks, life is a journey. Sometimes it's very short. Little children die very, very young many times. Sometimes people live to be quite advanced age, maybe 100, maybe 102, 35, or something like that. Arliss Proctor has lived to be 92 and a half. That's a good long life. And that's a good long life. And we consider that a pretty long time. But I guarantee if he was here right now, he says it went by very, very quickly. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Folks, the summit, the goal, the journey will be worth it. No matter what you have to put up with, what you have to endure, what you have to overcome, the reward is unbelievable. This morning, if you have any need whatsoever, if you've started your journey and you've kind of turned back, if you've thought about quitting, if life's difficulties have brought you down, don't let, it, don't let it stop. Keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the goal. Keep your eye on the summit. And heaven one of these days will be yours. And you'll waltz into heaven, not because you're good, but because Jesus is perfect. 
And he says, I'll take care of Shelby Roy's sins. I'll take care of Boo's sins and Sheila's sins. I'll take care of them. Oh, and I've got enough left for Jimmy and Jill and even little James. I've got enough for all of them. My blood will cure it all. There you have it. Anyone has any needs whatsoever this morning, please come as we stand with them. God is
Jay. Yeah, uh, we have a first cousin of the of Tony and Hannah and, and I. The first cousin was your Steve Major, and Hannah was depressed. He's been diagnosed with cancer, and he's real bad. And he's got to go to the hospital. He's been Steve Major. He's a North Carolina faithful member of the church. Mom and dad died two years ago. And just an outstanding young man and a, a married one son and two right. children. Keep Steve Major in prayer. He Take time to look at the, the, our prayer list there on the bulletins and, and remember those that we got on there. There's so many needed, for sure. If nothing else, y'all have a great afternoon. And Jameson will be looking forward to hearing you this evening. And everybody try to be back. We'll sing the first verse of this, then we'll be just here. This world is not my home.